Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken, episode number 337. Woo! Recorded January 24th, 2021. Getting up there number-wise. You ain't kidding, boy. Yeesh! Yeah, I'm still, I'm still like amazed that we've gotten through almost all of the backlog, right? We really only have like a few gold key left, a few mm-hmm. UK strips, a few uh, new new visions. We've been holding off on those, you know, and aside from that, it's just like the new stuff that we haven't done yet. Right. Which, which, you know, it's not a flood of new things out there, but, you know, they're continuing to produce miniseries and stuff. And then we still have the year five ongoing, which mm-hmm. is still, at this moment, still ongoing. Yep. So, we'll see. I'm still hope, holding out for that, uh, you know, Star Trek Enterprise miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> They've done Deep Space Nine, then they did Voyager, so I'm hoping Enterprise will be the next one. Right. Finally give me an Enterprise. Yes. Well, okay, th- this is not quite the same thing, but next best thing. Uh, have you been watching the uh, the YouTube, um, like, video that is the Romulan War? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, well, there's a YouTube video there that is covering the Romulan War, and they've they have part one out there, and then um, they're working on uh, part two. But a lot of it is, I mean, there's a lot of really cool uh, ships uh, that they they have a lot of space battles. You know, it's a war, and then uh, it's an interesting seeing the um, the ships they include in it. Some of which are from Enterprise, definitely, uh, uh, and then uh, and then more that makes sense. So they've got a lot of uh, Romulan ships. They've got a lot of um, Earth ships. So um, and this is just a, a fan 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 made fan made fan made fan made. Huh. I had not heard anything about that. You you, you might want to look it up. Being such a Enterprise fan, that time period, you might find some of that interesting. Right. Yeah. The, which of uh, course, which of course, Archer, you yeah. know, big, you know, big, took a big part in that that war, supposedly. Right. Well, there's there's quite a few novels set during that time, and yep. it's you know it's the Enterprise crew. Yep. All right. All right. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. It don't cost you nothing. You just right. got to watch the commercial. Uh, All right. And then, um, yeah. And then uh, aside from Enterprise, you know, I know you didn't like it, but I hope, I hope they I was fine with Enterprise. give Lower Decks just... a, uh, a shot uh, in some other media. Oh, oh, Lower, oh, there's more media for Lower Decks? No, I'm hoping that they will. Right? Oh, I'm hoping okay. that they'll, they'll do like a, you know, a one-off or something. I wouldn't mind seeing more about those guys. I, I kind of liked them. I like that show. 
Yeah. Well, well, anyways, but today we're not talking about Star Trek uh, on film. We're talking about Gold Key yes. issues 56 and 57. Yes, let's get together with uh, – let's get back on track with today's uh, issues, yes. I'll be doing the first one, 56, No Time Like the Past is the title, and I kind of like this one. It's uh, one of the better ones for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, unfortunately, 57, it, it dips in quality. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i, I gotta remind myself what it was uh oh spore of the devil spore of the devil yes. yeah that one's not as good right yeah so uh yeah so these came out in 1978 so the animated series should have been on by now <clears throat> you think that you know maybe rx or Morass would start showing up but they don't know they they haven't yet and i don't think they ever do yeah I mean, would they even have the rights? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Exactly. But uh, they they seem to uh, do seem to be bringing in more stuff about the TV show in in some of these newer issues. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Yes, some characters, some more characters from the TV show being brought in. Yep. All right, shall we go on and see what happens? Let's do it. Okay, I am covering the first one. Published date of No Time Like the Past, issue number 56, is October 1978. Writer George Cashdan. Art is by Alden McWilliams. And the cover presents ancient soldiers using spears and riding elephants. And they are attacking Kirk, Spock, and McCoy uh, with the Guardian of Forever. Guardian of Forever! Cool. In the background, off to the right. Orange and Yellow Attack says, Captain Kirk sees ancient history being unmade. What do they mean by that? The teaser page presents the same theme as the cover and explains the guys on the elephants are from Hannibal's army who are actually beating the Romans, which, of course, is against what actually happened in Earth history. So somebody has used the Guardian to be messing around with history. Big deal. Big deal here. Starfleet is asked to aid planet Orego 4 in capturing their deposed dictator, Trengur, who escaped from an insane asylum. They track Trengur to the planet of the Guardian of Forever. They assume Trengur will use the Guardian as a means to escape into the past. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beam down to where the Guardian confirms their worst fears. The Guardian offers to transport the terrific trio to the same point in time and space where they can stop a significant disruption to the time stream, which the Guardian has already detected. Kirk and company find themselves deposited onto Earth, in the Alps, in the year 2018 B.C. They witness an army using elephants to traverse the mountain chain and know exactly what's going on. Hannibal and his Carthaginian army are on the way to take on the mighty Roman Empire. McCoy points out Hannibal's forces are currently moving away from Italy and not towards Italy. 
With that handy piece of unexpected information, they conjecture Trangur could have gotten to Hannibal and convinced him to turn around and attack the Roman forces that are currently attempting to cut off Hannibal's supply lines. Historically, that is how the budding Roman Empire defeated Hannibal and his forces. If that mistake of Hannibal's is undone, Carthage may be able to defeat Rome and through which alter the course of human history. The Federation itself may never come into being. McCoy offers that Trangur will kill Hannibal the first chance he gets after he proves his worth and worms his way into Hannibal's confidence. Trangur will not be ruled by anyone. Kirk is convinced they need to make contact with Hannibal and put him back on his original attack plan. Kirk and the landing party are taken to Hannibal, but unfortunately Trangur is at his side. The mad dictator has a rank of colonel in Hannibal's army, and he is in fact Hannibal's aide-de-camp, right-hand man. Kirk tries to warn Hannibal of Trangur's treachery, but Trangur is already in good with Hannibal, as he did correctly warn Hannibal of the Roman detachment at his rear. Trangur's call for Kirk's death must wait as they have come into contact with the Roman soldiers dead ahead of them. Hannibal calls for battle formation, and the battle begins. The Roman forces are taken by surprise and wiped out. Trangur got the change in history he wanted, and they could not stop it. With nothing further they can do at this point in time and place, they return through the Guardian to the future. Unfortunately, not their future. When they beam back to the ship, they are welcomed back by Scotty, Sulu, and Uhura, all dressed in strange biker jackets. They say they expect the captain had a profitable mission, and they hail hail to the captain. Scotty says he expects they will want to get out of the silly Starfleet uniforms they have on and get back into the cool, cool threads the rest of the crew have on. Kirk goes along with Scotty until he can figure out what the heck's going on. Once Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are alone, Spock checks the data banks and confirms Trenger killed Hannibal and took over his army that did defeat and subjugate Rome. Centuries later, the American colonies were crushed by the English Empire after General Washington was assassinated. In the mid-20th century, Hitler and his Axis forces conquered America and the rest of the world. By the 21st century, a dictator known as the Trenger banished to space all Earth inhabitants that would not submit to his total rule. The mass exodus of Earth refugees settle on a separate planet named Terra Minor that in time grew into a power separate from the Trenger-ruled Earth. Terra Minor joined the Interplanetary Federation of Planets while the original Earth is excommunicated as a criminal planet. The Enterprise NCC-2101 is part of Trangur's Earth fleet, not part of Starfleet. Spock goes on to explain that according to the ship's records, they just returned from a mission to plant antimatter bombs in key Federation outposts. 
the last bomb they planted was at the Guardian himself to stop all further attempts to undo Trenger's treachery. Kirk sees immediately that they need to get back to the surface and disable the bomb meant for the Guardian. Scotty interrupts and again asks when they will break orbit. They need to leave before the antimatter bomb detonates. Spock nerve-pinches Kirk unexpectedly, sensing the suspicious Mr. Scott will blast out of orbit with or without the captain's orders. Spock takes control of the ship after claiming Kirk is acting strangely and got violent. McCoy takes the unconscious Kirk to the sickbay, while Spock takes the con. McCoy brings Kirk to, and they hatch a plan and figure out how they're going to let Spock know that they are ready to make their next move. McCoy concocts a story about Kirk contracting bubonic plague with all his time hopping. There is no cure immediately available to modern science, so they need to beam the captain down to the planet to avoid infecting the entire crew. Scotty pulls out his phaser and tells Spock that he and McCoy need to beam down too. All three are likely infected. The terrific trio beam down and enter the Guardian just as the titanic explosions ignites. They return to the same cave they arrived in before, but Spock says hopefully a few hours earlier. Hannibal's forces are still traveling towards Italy, so Trenger has not yet changed history. They spot Hannibal and Trenger, but without phasers this time, they need to get creative. Just as Trenger is doing his hard sell on Hannibal, a particularly large elephant comes running through Hannibal's forces towards Hannibal and Trenger. Spock and McCoy are on top, steering the mighty beast, while Kirk is cradled in the elephant's trunk. As they pass Trenger, Kirk grabs him off his horse, and they make a beeline for the cave. All four enter the time vortex and arrive in the present at the Guardian's entryway. They beam up, and without a maniacal word, Trenger is put in the brig. Scotty congratulates Captain Kirk for completing his mission in two minutes. But where the devil did he and the others get those ridiculous uniforms? Wah, wah, wah. The end. So, uh, yeah, the Guardian works a little different here. Um... Because in the city of Edge Forever, they don't. I mean, they just go back, right? They don't. Do they have to jump back through the same doorway they jumped in at? Uh, I don't recall them ever explaining that. Right. They just. That was a, like one of those things that. Hey, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so after uh, Edith uh, was killed, and then, you know, sh- the Shat was able to do his great line, um, and they. As I recall, like they just kind of like faded to black, and then hey, they're back. You know, they came through the guardian again, right. and then Scotty right. and and Uhura are still standing there next to the garden guardian. Right. Yeah, that's the way I remember it too. Right. So they and didn't bother telling you. Yeah, and I don't think in any of the other media that they showed the guardian. I mean, like when Spot goes back in time to save his his young self in the animated show. I don't right. Think he has to go back to the same cave to to get back in so yeah did they explain how he got back or uh, did they skip the details i think they skipped the details too yeah, but yeah. it's been a while since i've seen that one right 
So anyways, it's just interesting that in here they have to go to the exact same spot to jump back in. At least they bother trying to explain it. Yeah, no, I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that, that doesn't quite make sense. And as we've seen more recently uh, with uh, um, Discovery, uh, they it it works completely different there too. So. Oh, and by the way, now, now the, the good thing is this is not going to get posted for a long time. Um. But it's a little, bit, a little bit of a spoiler, but I'm sure everybody who cares about seeing Discovery has seen this by now. But yes, Discovery brings back the Guardian for uh, season uh, three. Season three. <laughs> right, season three. <laughs> All right. Yes. And, and it was or, quite good. I mean, well, I, I like seeing him. I don't know if I really liked that, that episode per se, but uh, at, least, at least they tied it in somehow. Yeah, I mean, it was cool bringing it back. I mean, it was like, and how they presented the Guardian, you know, as an actor instead of just a voice. That sounds rather mechanical. I mean, in Taws, the Guardian was kind of a no personality, straightforward. I was meant to, I was meant to to make the past available to people. So here I am. Anybody can use me that wants to, you know. Right. You know, I'm a terminal station drugs. kiosk. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I, I don't care if you're evil or not. I'm just I'm just here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Where where he gained sentience in the uh, discovery episode apparently. And so there yep. was a whole there was a whole thing there where what the guardian got got sentience and then Got sick of just letting people use him, and then got actively involved in, for the for the betterment of the universe and the time stream. Is, was that it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. During the the temporal wars or something like that. Oh, that, there you uh, go. It's okay, right? Yeah, temporal wars, right? Okay. Which of course was completely, you know, that was an Enterprise thing. Um, right, which I thought was kind of cool because I mean, uh, yeah, you'd have to address it at some point. Exactly. And when you go a thousand years in the future, I mean, one of the first things I think we said was, hey, well, how are they going to handle the, you know, the time travel aspect that we know is there from Voyager um, and Enterprise, um, but but especially Voyager. Voyager had a lot of that. Right. You know, time, well, I mean, time yeah, cops that's, thing. That's actually how they, they, they wrapped up the show with a, yeah. a big time travel thing. <laughs> right, 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 right. So anyway, so anyways, but yeah, I uh, I was happy this issue uh, actually addressed something that uh, has been done many times in in different media. So it was kind of like their take on it, and uh, it wasn't a horrible take. It was no, it, I thought it was kind of good. I mean, there were a few things that were like I don't understand what's going on here, but for the most part, I think it was a pretty good story. And, uh, you know, since this is for kids, right, we know that. Yeah. Um, I do like when when media like this takes historical things and tells their own story about mm -hmm. it. Um, right. But, I mean, but at least it plants the seeds in the kid's head. And then so that way later when they're introduced to Hannibal and things like that, they already have, oh, yeah, remember that crappy comic book I read? <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, it just plants the seed so that when later they're re-exposed to it, you know, uh, it has something to connect to, you know, which yeah, which yeah. I always like, you know, like Doctor Who does. It. I mean, Doctor Who was made for kids mm-hmm. uh, originally, and uh, they do it too. So I, I just, uh, I think that's cool when children's media is both entertaining and you know, with little nuggets of uh, history and stuff in it, right? Or science, yeah, and and definitely. Having Hannibal involved here, uh, a significant historical figure. Although I gotta rem- I gotta say, I, I there's a lot of details of Hannibal I do not remember. Thank God McCoy did. Jeez, <laughs> he was like, uh, so did he minor in in history or something, or Roman history or something? I don't know ancient Must ancient know. world history because he. I mean, okay, fine. So he me- actually mentions uh, while he was going to school to become a doctor. He spent time, you know, in Europe, apparently, you know, skiing in the Alps. It's like, whoa, how, how bloody nice. Very nice, McCoy. Good for you. But, uh, yeah, he recognizes the Alps. He, you know, he, he, he knows where Italy is, and he can see where the elephants are going, and it's just not adding up, which is, uh, which is a level of knowledge I know I don't have. Right. Uh, and I did take a, a Roman history class. <laughs> in college, so I'm a little embarrassed to say that I don't remember th- these details. Anyway. And McCoy's hundreds of years further ahead than you, and, and yeah. he does. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, so. Ken. Ken and your studies. Uh, Ken and my studies, right. And, and I really enjoyed my Roman history class. That was cool. That was a cool class. <laughs> the professor was really into it, and he would... Uh, Part of his lecture oftentimes was what happened in major engagements. And it was like he was pretty into it. So That's cool. Yeah, that was very cool. I like that class. Hmm. So uh, back to this issue, though. Um, the elephants. Yes. Aren't they? They're elephants. huge. They're too yes, big. they're big. I know there's different species of elephants. Yes. Um, Indian and the ones in the circus and versus stuff African. are... African. Yeah. So the circus ones are Indian ones, right? And are they the smaller ones? The, I think the Indian elephants are the smaller ones. The Africans are the bigger ones with the bigger ears. Right. But this this seems too big, right? Even for the bigger African elephants. Because I mean, yeah, Spock looks like he only comes up to, like, the elephant's knee. Yeah, I I had I didn't really think of it that much, but I assume these are African elephants. But I don't know. I mean, uh, Carthage is African, is Africa, right? Northern uh, Africa. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm worse off than you. I was giving you a lot of time, <laughs> and I'm like, you know more than me. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's Northern Africa, Carthage. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look at the size of these things. I, I completely agree with you. It's huge. I mean, these look like African elephants. But, but I mean, even at that, they're huge. Yeah, even at that, they're huge. Yep. Or they seem huge. Yep. Mm. And, and then the idea that Kirk is going to ride on the trunk <laughs> <laughs> and then be able to grab Trenger off his horse and then hold on to him. It's like, wow, I don't know. Was that on purpose? Did he did he mean to get picked up like that, or was that kind of like it just happened? Well, I I think their game plan was to grab uh, Trenger and you know, you know, take him back to the future. 
Right. I think that was the game plan, but... Okay. Yeah, it just... It was kind of silly, so I was just like... That was hey, going to go with it. It's, it's not like, going to think oh about it too hard. There's like no way Kirk could do that physically. I don't think. Anyway. But when has that ever stopped him? Exactly. <laughs> right. So... But yeah, I, I, I like this issue. I really like The Guardian. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it just told its story. You pointed out a few things that maybe I I didn't catch when I read it the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, When I first read it, I thought that he just went back one time, messed with history, and then I guess stayed there, right? Lived as a king during Hannibal's times. But but when you read it, you took it that he was jumping to the – and causing these other things to happen differently. He he caused the George Washington to be assassinated. He he caused – Hitler to become ruler, and in the future he was he was the Tringer at the uh, you know, on that telescreen, right? Who was the all powerful um, dictator of Earth that got rid of a significant portion of the Earth population in right. a in almost like a uh, Khan esque expulsion? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, definitely good in a Khan on that, on those scenes. Right. Only it was the bad guy that got rid of, <laughs> you know, uh, people that didn't want to be subjugated by, by a dictator. Um, yeah. So actually Trenger in here reminded me of Kang the Conqueror, uh, from Marvel comics. Okay. Sort of. So, but it was it's that still didn't make sense though. I mean, how could it still be? I mean, the idea of him going. I mean, if if that was always Tranger, in all those different time periods, and he was jumping back and forth, it's like, well, okay, but what 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 happened since Roman times? And he was the dictator. I mean, he was the leader. I mean, he's got to be there to run the empire, and so. Even if he like is jumping back and forth, I mean, what? It just didn't. I mean, when you really think about it, it didn't make that much sense. So I really was. I, I I don't know how exactly really how that worked, but it completely remember remind me of Kang. So Kang, of course, in the Marvel comics is a time traveler. He um and he and he keeps on trying to you know, take over Earth and, and, and all time periods and and I guess all I mean the galaxy in all time periods or something. Anyway, he keeps he keeps on coming back and he keeps on getting beat beaten by the Avengers and, and whoever. Um Well you definitely know more about King than I do. I just know the name. Oh and okay. I, and he was in he was in that uh the X Men Star Trek comic, right? One of them. Oh, he? was he? he? He was the heavy? I was thinking he was. I'd have to go back to that comic and look at it again. I, I don't recall. But, anyway. Yeah, so the main thing about Kang is he travels in time, he's from the future, and he's traveled back in time to take over everything. And he doesn't really have superpowers, per se, except uh, for trying traveling and of course, he's got technology, you know, superior technology from the future. Right. 
So um, anyway, so this guy with Trenger was kind of reminding me a little about of that, and he's using the Guardian to let him time hop, time skip. Uh, at least that's what I assume. Or he isn't using the Guardian, and he is somehow able to have his uh, his children uh, have his knowledge um, through the ages to hold on to power. Right. It would kind of make sense if it, if he could go go back in time, mess with it, and then come back to the future to reap the rewards, right? So, yeah, you know, uh, what you said makes sense, but it's just, I didn't, I didn't read it that way, but then also I don't know why you would want to go live in Hannibal's time. Right? <laughs> Cause, and he didn't even seem like he was going to be the leader. He was just like going to be subservient to somebody else that you're going to go back in time and mess with history. Why would you go back to then follow other people's orders? Well, but, I mean, one of the first things they said when they were going through history, you know, when Spock was recounting history from the uh, from banks of NCC 2101, at least I think it was 2101. You know, um, I didn't even catch that it was a different uh, registry number. Yeah. yeah but, it, uh, but, yeah, I went back and looked when you said that, and I was just like, oh. Right. 2101. Yeah, and that's, and that's not a Starfleet ship. It's a... Trenger Earth dictatorship ship. Right. Um, anyway, but one of the first things they said is he did kill Hannibal and he took over the Carthaginian oh, okay. army and he did end up defeating Rome. Okay, so he pointed him in the right direction on this one shot and then he ended up taking over. Exactly. He, he did exactly what Kirk and Spock and McCoy said he was going to do because yeah. he can't. He's got to be the big shot. He's got to be the well, leader. That, that makes more sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's been a while since I read this. I'm not going to lie. Right. right. Why? Well, yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. I don't know about when you read them, but sometimes I read them and I'm like, I won't write that down. I'll remember that. <sighs> <laughs> well, it depends. If I'm the synopsis guy then I write everything down. Uh, if I'm not the synopsis guy, then a lot of times I don't write things down. Right. You're just enjoying it for the ride. Exactly. <laughs> Donovan's taking care of this. I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of skim through this. <laughs> so, so anything else on this one? Uh, I just want to say it was one of the more complicated stories I've seen coming out of Gold Key because there were a lot of things going on here. I mean, especially the idea of there being two seats of human, uh, of Earth human uh, thing going on. So there were a lot of extra things going on there, which I thought it, thought it made it a little bit more complicated than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but overall, I loved seeing The Guardian, and I thought it was a, a more intelligent story than we oftentimes get with Golki. Right. And I was almost hoping that they would do a... Um at least acknowledge that um, that this is how the mirror universe... I mean, I almost was thinking that's where they were going with it. Mm. That they were going to say, oh, this is also the mirror universe that uh, that we've been to, or something like that. But right. no, this is just another universe, or another timeline of the prime universe. Exactly, if he would have been allowed to succeed. Right. But because they went back in time, they stopped him. 
and therefore the explosions where the Guardian was going to be blown to bits. So apparently that never happened, right? Because they got right. through just in time, but they were able to go back and stop what's-his-face, Trenger, and then they were able to put everything back to normal when they took him back to their time period before he could do all the crap he did. Right. Yep. So, time travel can be very complicated. Yes, it's very timey-wimey. It's very timey-wimey. I do like that about Doctor Who. <laughs> um, my last thing is that uh, I really didn't like uh, the way they drew Tinger with his, his weird mustache and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and isn't he like... His twirling mustache. But then he's also bald on the top. So he has like uh, just a ring of hair and then bald. Am I remembering that right? Um, he's got the helmet on. He's definitely got the little thin mustache. Um, yeah, but when he takes his helmet off, back. he has like a friar tuck kind of hair. Oh, does he? I, I don't yeah. remember that. Let me, let me... That or they just didn't draw color in the top of his head. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. Okay, so there it is. Oh, yeah, so I was like, I was like, man, if you're out in the sun, you need to wear that helmet because uh, that bad boy is going yeah. to burn. The very time, I mean, it looks like it literally looks like a bowl haircut, right? And, and and his head is completely just shaved, bald as a cue ball, where the bowl would be during the haircut. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's a perfect, perfect uh, round shape. Just the crown of your head is is bald. Good point. And and and, and that mustache is is just sticking out like inches from his head. Right, so where does he get the the mustache wax? <laughs> Good question. He's gonna he's gonna he's not gonna be able to hold on to that mustache much longer. <laughs> All right, anything else? No, that's it for that one for me. All right, so uh, next up is issue fifty seven. Uh, this came out uh, November of nineteen seventy eight. Uh, is is entitled "The Spore of the Devil." So the cover is not as pretty as the covers we've been getting, but it's still a painted cover. Uh, it shows like a old man who has green lizard skin uh, with long white hair holding a gun, a rifle towards uh, Scotty, Kirk, and Spock. And they have their hands up surrendering. And then behind that is like a really colorful palace of some sort. And then the caption reads cornered by an alien being frantic to know who he is and this one would have set you back 35 cents uh the writer is arnold drake and the art is by a mcwilliams so uh this issue may be the only gold key that i know of that has a splash page to start off with and not just a teaser page that shows something that happens later in the book this first page though it's a whole page of one picture, uh, pretty much, is actually the first panel of the book, which was kind of cool. So it shows the Enterprise arriving to the planet Jodar, and uh, McCoy is uh, in the transporter room talking to Spock, and he's lamenting that he wants to go down to the planet because he wants to see knights and the whole romance of the Middle Ages. And then Spock basically just tells him, you don't always get what you want, and then he beams down along with Kirk and Scotty. 
when uh, the trio arrives to the planet, they are indeed greeted by what looks like medieval knights, humans on horseback and armor and all that good stuff. They're then taken to the leader of the planet called Emperor Ladoy. The emperor greets them, and then he takes them off to what looks like a medieval times uh, type uh, arena show. And uh, then here we see the Emperor's fallen enemies having to fight in gladiatorial matches. Uh, sometimes they fight against other humans, and then other times they fight against giant bird monsters. Uh, this is barbaric, but the Emperor shows that he's not completely heartless because he stops the fights just before one of the combatants would kill the other. That night, an aide takes the crew to their chambers when the aide is greeted by a lovely lady named Sila. It seems that these two have been in love for quite a while, and now Sila is being forced to marry the emperor. They get caught in an embrace by some guards and brought before the emperor. He demands that the aide be put to death, but Kirk tries to sweet talk in that sweet, sweet Kirk tongue of his. Uh, but it, it does not work completely, but he is able to uh, delay it somewhat. So the Emperor instead says that he's going to visit the Oracle, which is named Varan, or Vrunan, however you want to pronounce it. So the following day, the Emperor takes Kirk and company to see Varan, and uh, they have to take a boat. It's a good long ways. Uh, and then when they get to the palace, they see that Varan is actually a disembodied head within a glass cube. The cube says that the emperor must kill the aide, and he must continue to marry Sila, and that he cannot show any weaknesses, otherwise all the other emperors will somehow get back into power and overthrow him. So the emperor hears what he wants, and then they head back to his castle. En route, Spock and Kirk discuss what just happened. Spock points out that Varan's head does not exactly match the size of the other Jodar's heads, which is kind of confusing because, keep in mind, everybody so far looks 100% human. The crew agree that they are going to pay a visit to Varan again later that night. And sure enough, as everybody goes to bed, they sneak out and uh, head back to the Oracle. In a Wizard of Oz-type twist, while Kirk is talking to the cube, Scotty and Spock find the real Varan speaking through a camera. The real Varan does indeed turn out to not be human, but he says he's actually an energy being that takes the form of a lizard creature, and then the lizard creature then takes on the form of a human, with, or at least the human head. Uh we are then treated to a little backstory of Iran. He crashed on the planet when he was just a little embryonic energy thing. Um, he then takes the form of the lizard creature because he says that's the less painful form so that he could live there on the planet. So he has no idea where he's from, where he came from, or who he is. And then he started manipulating the people of the planet in order to further their advancement so that he can somehow know where he came from also he's having these horrible episodes of crippling pain spock notes that there's a strange radio spike each time that he has one of these attacks so they agree to split up spock and veron are going to search for the source of the signal 
while Scotty and Kirk head back and try to delay the execution of the aide named Rolano. Spock and Varan travel up a mountain and they fight a bear. Inside the bear's cave, they find pieces of the ship that Varan landed in many years ago. Uh, they take a little swim in a nearby lake and find even more parts of the destroyed ship. Spock thinks that he's able to cobble together what he needs, but he's just going to need some time. Meanwhile, back at the palace, Kirk agrees to take Rolano's place in the gladiatorial games. The Emperor agrees, and Kirk must joust against a large flying monster. Kirk gets in a few good hits, but it looks like he might lose when a phaser takes out the giant beast. Spock and Varan arrive, and they tell the Emperor that he's being manipulated by Varan all this time. Everybody agrees, rather quickly, that the ruler should rule with love and not fear. Varan says that he'll be using his equipment to return home, and that the Emperor will have to start ruling without any alien interference, the way it should have always been. The end. What a nice little bow. Yeah, yeah. Everything... He's just tied up in a nice little bow, and the lovers get to stay together and live, and the great Runin gains the means to travel back home, and the Emperor accepts that he's going to rule his people with love and not fear. Uh, Kirk yeah, all survives his battle. Up in one panel. <laughs> yeah. Kirk survives his big battle with the dragon bird, or whatever the heck that was. And by the way, they do seem to like dragon birds lately. Yes. Or or whatever, huge things in Colosseums fighting, ripping people up. And then, uh, yeah, and then they got the prime directive breaking uh, Vrunin to stop what he was doing. Right. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make sense why they're even there. Because did it say that they got a, a message from them and invited them there? Or... How does these people who don't even have radios exactly. know that there was a uh, Federation of Planets to even contact and invite? Exactly. I mean, these guys are so pre-warp. It's incredible. I mean, they seem to have, I mean, they seem to be exactly what they look like. Uh, middle, middle, medieval technology level. Right. And at first I thought maybe it was just a facade, you know, that was just their way. Right. But they were still right. technologically advanced. But now when Varan is like talking about, you know, the radio spikes, he's like, these people don't even know what electricity is. So there's no way they could be creating these electro, uh, these radio waves that are crippling me. And then I was just like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. What's Kirk and Spock doing down there? Right. They shouldn't be in any contact with these people. Yeah. And then, then they end the book pointing out. The problems with the whole book is that, oh, well, we should have never been here to begin with. <laughs> See you later. Hope we didn't screw you up too bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so somebody, I, I'm going to guess the writer of the story, uh, said, hey, you know what? Let's let's do a, uh, a knights in white satin story. You know, a, a, you know, kings and knights and whatever. And, uh, okay, how can we do that? And then this is what they came up with. Which makes no sense. I mean, the first time we see the Emperor, it looks like he's in a Santa Claus outfit. I just don't get it. 
<laughs> yeah, no, he, it's it's weird. And then the, then to throw in the whole Wizard of Oz thing with the, I mean, that was the very first thing I thought of when the Emperor's talking to the the cube head. Hmm. I was like, okay. oh, is this is this going to be Wizard of Oz? <laughs> And then when they came back later and they found the little trap door, and sure enough, there's a little lizard guy. Pay no attention to the lizard guy. He doesn't actually say that, but it's been <laughs> the same scene. <laughs> He's just talking into a camera. Right. Yeah. And I thought it was funny that Spock's like, their head sizes don't match. And I'm like, uh, your head's the same size as Kirk's head, which is the same size as all the other heads. So I've never heard of uh, humans having different bone density and things like that you know depending on what planet you're on it uh, makes sense but they've never yeah. mentioned it before no. everybody just looks human right <laughs> mostly exactly uh, th- th- that or else especially when you get beyond taws then they have like little little latex appliances on their face right that's other than that two arms two legs baby <laughs> uh, anywho uh, yeah, I, 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 there was a lot of this one that I didn't get. I didn't get yeah. why he's he's a gas creature that likes to be in the lizard creature's body, but then can also change into a human's head. Yeah. Why would the lizard creature be less painful, he says. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, and but, then Scotty's just like, it sure is ugly. <laughs> <laughs> this, this shape's more painful, or less painful, and he's like, well, it's... Painful to me eyes. Yeah, it, except to look at. <laughs> I think that's what he says. Dang, you are mean. <laughs> Scotty, you gotta love Scotty. And speaking uh, of mean, what was with that first scene with McCoy? Sure wish I could go down with you. And Spock's like, what does he actually say? He says, Starfleet doesn't indulge in your romantic fantasies. You know, it's just like, Idiot. Oh. <laughs> He doesn't say idiot, but he basically says idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and there was no reason why McCoy wouldn't wouldn't be down there. And I mean, why do they need an engineer? Exactly. What the most they can do is... No, this is a diplomatic mission, basically. Right. Well, yeah, and there's no technology, so why do you need an engineer? Unless exactly. you're trying to figure out you know, how they... Horse-drawn carriages? Unless there was a sub subplot that they didn't mention about how they even contacted the Federation to begin with. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. McCoy yeah. would have made so much more sense. Right. And it's not like Scotty did anything. It's not like he did the fighting. He didn't do, you know, all he was is in the background for the most part. Yeah. Well, he was the muscle a little bit. <clears throat> but anybody could have done that. Right. So when they, uh, when they found Lizard Guy in the first place, whap! No, I don't think you're going to grab that rifle. I don't think so. All right. That was his big scene. Yeah. Could have been McCoy, though. Could have been, or, yeah. <clears throat> Although, Scotty's a little bit more, you know. He's a little bit more believable in the uh, in the security kind of uh, tough guy mode. Right. And uh, how do you like the total Prince Valiant mode that they drew uh, the young lovers? It's like, oh my god, that, that guy's Prince Valiant. Uh, R- Rolando? Was, was blue. I mean, uh, blonde. Blue? Blonde. I meant to say blonde. Uh, oh no, you're absolutely right. I thought his he hair, was dark haired, and yeah, I think his, his I think his hair was exactly like this Rolando guy's. <laughs> yes, you're right. So from the old 
comic strips. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was weird. And then, like, this guy's, you know, showing these uh, guests to their quarters, and then she just comes out of nowhere and starts, <laughs> like, giving their life story. and Exactly. Kissing, and I was like, uh, this, this is probably not the best time. I exactly. Mean, <laughs> I know I'm new here, but maybe y'all shouldn't be doing this right in front of me. Yeah. And then, okay, so, 100% right. So... They're just walking along, and then Rolando's doing his job, and then and then the girlfriend comes out, Sylvia, and she introduces herself to Rolando. Rola- yeah, Rolando. Okay. Psst. Rolando, it is I, Sylvia. Or Silva. Silva. Sil- yeah. I must speak to you. It's like, ah, don't you think he knows your name by now? <laughs> uh, but thanks. You know, it's it's good to know these things as a reader, but right anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, and, it, and yeah. it just seems weird. Yeah, and then Rolando's like, "Hey, do you need it? Do you need interrupted right now? I'm working here." <laughs> uh, but no, everybody gets to watch the uh, side story of the young lovers. Anyway. So when Kirk and them go back to visit the. Uh, the head. The uh, head. <laughs> right. Did they take the boat? Because, I mean, it seems like it's pretty far away. They took a boat. A, a rowboat. Well, the first time. Oh, no, no. You're right. You're right. They did take it the second time. A rowboat. I think. Yeah. No, they did. They did. But, yeah, their arms would be tired. <sighs> but they got Scotty paddling. <laughs> that's why. That's why they needed him. McCoy's <laughs> little noodle arms wouldn't get us too far. <laughs> Noodle arms. McCoy's noodle arms. I love that. Speaking of noodle arms, man, I've been watching a lot of Discovery lately. And yeah. Man, Saru. It just amazes me how thin that guy is. That He is thin. And he then... Arms, and then they elongate him with the, with the prosthetic fingers and exactly. feet. It's just like... Just, that's just not natural. Ha- have you seen the episode where he looks human? Where no, you no, actually... Okay, well, that's so one of the last three episodes. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, so you start seeing him, you know, the actor underneath all the makeup. Right. And it's really, you know, quite frankly, the excuse they give for that is stupid. But I don't want to ruin anything for you. But the main point is you get to see, um, what's his name? I forgot the actor's name. Doug Jones. Doug Jones, exactly. So you get to see Doug Jones as himself. Oh, and cool. he's a tall, skinny guy. Yeah, I've seen him in other shows. And yeah. I mean, he's a good-looking dude. What well, I, don't know. Normal, I don't know if I go that clothes. far, but... Uh, I mean, he's just a normal-looking... I mean, he's skinny guy, but... Skinny guy. When he's not wearing a, you know... A Prosthetics. Skin-tight yeah, kind of shirt and pants. He, yeah. he looks... You know, you don't notice how skinny he is. Yeah. But anyway. most of the things I've seen him in, he, they layer him with the prosthetics. I mean, I think he was the... Wasn't he the fish guy in um, Abe? Abe Water? Yes. Yeah. Abe, I forgot his last name. But Abe Sapien, yeah. He Abe was Sapien. In, yeah, yeah, there you go. But was he also the fish guy in um, in Shape of Water, too? Yes, he was. He gets, then, yeah. yeah, and then he was the the pan in Labyrinth. In that, uh, oh, no. was he? I didn't know that. Yeah, the one that had the hand, the, the pan, eyes in Pan's pan. Labyrinth? Yeah, 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 Pan's Labyrinth. So, oh, so he was the star of that. Okay. 
Well, he was the main creature. Well, the main creature. Well, that's, I mean, your, your name's in the title. Your character's name's in the title. <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, I, did, I did not realize he did that, too. Yeah. Wow, what, what a career. I mean, every weird, heavy makeup thing going that somebody has to look otherworldly or something, get Doug Jones. Right, right. Anyways, back to this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Jones would definitely <clears throat> play Vernon if, uh, if they ever do this in live action. The there lizard guy. The lizard guy. Yeah, he could do him. Good point. He looks good. Yeah. I thought he looked good as the lizard guy. Not not when he had the human head, but when he was lizard guy. When he was fully lizard guy. He, yeah. I thought I thought he looked cool, fighting the bear. Yeah. He was kind of ridiculous, but yeah. Well, he kind of reminded me of the lizard from you know Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man. Yeah. Doctor Connors or whatever. Doctor Connors. Yeah. He's even wearing like a lab coat. Well, yeah. Kind of, yeah. That's funny. The bear fight was, I thought, was kind of stupid, and the fight—the fact that they found pieces of the machine in the bear's cave—and he's like, "Here in the cave, there's some some of the bear's food," and I'm like, "Uh, "The bear's eating the parts, or did he eat something that had eaten the parts, and that's you know the parts came out in his poop?" I don't know. All good questions. All good questions. <laughs> and then you're like, well, the guy knew that his ship crashed. Why did he never come out looking for the pieces before? Because of the bear? I don't know. Well, he didn't say that. Nope. He just says, never I've did. never been able to find it. And Spock's like, well, if we try together, we will. <laughs> you didn't try that hard, did you? <laughs> no, I mean, he'd it, rather just manipulate a whole society to uh, <laughs> somehow... Get to get to a technologically advanced species so that they can help them. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which is good. Which, considering where they started from, it's going to take a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's playing the long game. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, because he, he even says he's like, "Yeah, I'm about to introduce electricity to them, and then they'll, you know." <laughs> he had a plan. He had a plan. He knew, he knew how he was going to feed them these advancements. But is it because he's an energy creature that? Maybe he can live a long time. Maybe, uh, right? I don't know. Which is the whole idea that he's an energy creature, and then takes a lizard form. Doesn't that? I don't know. Right. It just seemed odd. And it's not like he's like technologically ignorant because he he's built what looks like modern phasers. And he's built cameras and projection systems and things like that. It's just like you already have all this technology. Why couldn't you? Go out, you know, contact. What are you waiting for them to get to a point where they're going to help you? It seems like you're already there. Yeah. Well, he's got all those tapes with all that knowledge. The tapes. Tapes. And and good thing he has a VCR to play them. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Some things don't don't age well. (laughs) Yeah, not like those little colored blocks from the original Star Star Trek. Those are timeless. Well, they are timeless because they were nebulous about what they did exactly. I mean, I mean, they showed you what they did, but they gave you no clue as to how they would work. But they look so silly. They look silly, but come on. You read these comic books and things, and it's very common for Gold Key to, to speak of, you know, recording devices of data being tapes. Right. And film. Like, there's those... 
there's those. There you go. That too. Those issues where they're actually looking at a, a, a film frame by frame. <clears throat> you know? Right. Yep. Or, or so, yeah, so, some of that doesn't yeah. age very well. You're right. No, but at least Taws. I don't remember them ever talking about tapes as a recording before. medium. No. Um, I mean, yes, they were pieces of wood that were painted. Yes, I know that. <laughs> but at least they were nebulous about what the technology was, and at least they had solid state technology. So there you go, solid state. Wasn't solid true. state technology, exactly. No analog stuff here. All right. And then my last comment, it has nothing to do with the book itself, but uh, there's a uh, advertisement for mm-hmm. uh, Flash Gordon's return to uh, Ooh, the Gold movie? Key. Oh, no, there it is. Before the movie. Oh, okay. So Gold Key, I guess, got the rights to uh, start making Flash Gordon comics. I see that. And it's just kind of cool that they wrote the font in, in almost a Star Wars, uh, you know, there has never been excitement to match Flash Gordon's planets on, uh, adventures on planet Mongo. Right. Go. And it's in a very Star Wars like uh, yep. opening crawl. The opening thing. crawl. Right. Exactly. Which is kind of cool because George Lucas got the opening crawl from the Flash Gordon serials. So it's exactly. like it's all coming full circle. It's all coming full circle. The only thing is uh, with this one, it's kind of like a reverse crawl. Right. Because it looks like the thing that's closer to you is at the top. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, you're going towards the bottom. As opposed exactly. to the, As opposed to the other... The, going yeah, away. The opening crawl. Right, yeah. Which may be what, how it was in the original Flash Gordon serial. It's been a very long time since I watched those. Yeah. I, I, I watched some of that when I was a kid. The Buster Crab ones. Right. Um, yeah, I watched them a few years ago. Or at least the, the, first, the first two serials. Mm-hmm. Because they re-edited them into movie lengths, so uh-huh. it cut out a lot of the, you know, I, I like watching serials, but it, it's hard to watch them because they have to remind you so often about what happened in the previous episode, right? Right. So there's so much like, you know, hey, you remember, remember when we, you know, did this last week? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So when they edited it, they, they, it's only like an hour and a half long and it kind of squishes in all, all 10 episodes. It skips all the uh, overlap. Right, right. Cool. It makes it a little choppy at times, but for the most part, I think it's it's an easier watch than every episode. Yeah, I would think it would be. So you should give well, it a watch. I should really. So is that like on YouTube or something, or what? Uh, you see I think I found it. Actually, I think it was on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, okay. They I had uh, they had the first two serials movie versions. And I think it's like Flash Gordon and the Rocket Man or something like that. It has Rocket in the title. I don't remember the exact name. Cool. I should look that. That that would bring back uh, memories of childhood. There you go. All right. Do you have anything else? That's it. That's all I got. Oh, okay. So uh, next week we're doing a more modern take on these these characters with the new vision. <laughs> uh, yes, a more modern and retro take. Yes, new vision. So we're doing more of Burns' um, repurposing of original uh, footage from Taws into new stories. So uh, we're going to do 18 and 19. I do like these. I do like those. I do too. Just amazed on what what all he can get away with um, (laughs) using Photoshop and old footage. Exactly. It's just amazing. 
and then he supplements it where he needs to. Right. Oh, and I'm just looking at uh, issue 18's cover, which is quite quite pleasant looking. Okay. Huh. And Giving it's us the... a teaser? All right, what's it say? What is it? Well, it's the Enterprise underwater. Ooh. Maybe that's where J.J. got the idea. Maybe. What pain it is to drown. There you go. Okay, so we got that. And then issue 19. Oh, looks like Kirk is falling down a very deep uh, shaft, kind of like Luke. Ah, they're on Bespin? Yes, exactly. But will he catch that that metal antenna on the bottom of it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with the back of his legs before or he just, drops to his or death. Or just keep falling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch, Luke. Right, cool. Ouch, Luke. Anyway, yes. All right. Well, thank you, Ken. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and I guess we'll be back next week. Thanks, everybody, for joining. See you next time with New Visions on The Review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name stcomic.com. Second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review.